Welcome to today's episode on Life in the Front Office. I'm your host, Jay Kirschman, here with Brian Campbell of the Air Force Academy Foundation. And excited to talk to Brian a little bit about his journey, his path, and ultimately his responsibilities at the Academy Foundation. And, you know, one of the unique things about Brian's story, and we'll go through it, is, you know, his his ability to uh, kind of switch paths and understand uh, a bunch of different landscapes in, in which he's... Um, you know, setting foot in. And uh, Brian, let's just start out with, you know, A, welcome to the podcast and B, you know, as an, uh, an Air Force Academy grad and now back at the Air Force Academy, probably a pretty um, special place for you. Yeah, thanks for having me, Jake. And uh, it is a very special place. I mean, the the I think anyone who has a chance to play a sport at, a, at a, any of the great universities in our country. That's a transformational experience for them, but um, certainly the, the experience that we share here at the Air Force Academy and at, at our, whether we like to say it or not, our brother and sister service academies too, um, is, is just a different kind of development that you can experience between 18 and 22. And it's, it's very interesting to be back here. Um, been back for a couple of years, but um, it's really nice to be back here and get to drive home at night out of the gates and and not back to my dorm room to try to figure out how to how to pass aeronautical engineering and astro um, and go home and sleep in a nice bed. So for those listening, just give give us a brief overview of what your experience was like in the first uh, time at the Air Force Academy as uh, a student athlete and just, you know, understanding what it meant to be at the academy as opposed to maybe a different type of university and just the responsibilities that you had otherwise? Yes, I had a chance to come play football here. um, And it just, it didn't, it didn't go that great. I mean, I was a recruited athlete um, and that's what opened the doors to to come to the academy. That was uh, Fisher DeBerry's staff and, and he's a legendary college football coach. And, you know, I learned a lot from him about, about leadership um, but, you know, I got here, I played a lot of scout team and, uh, I had, I blew out both my knees. So you lose, I lost two years that way. Um, wound up getting Crohn's disease, um, which was, which was a tough, tough break as well. Um, and we don't have medical red shirts. We don't have that situation. You have four years to play, to play and get through your time here. And, and that's the way it should be. Um, it's a taxpayer payer funded experience in general. So, um, you know, the, the experience I had here, you know, we, we talk so much in, in athletics about the crossover between the military and sports, um, but it's really true. You know, the, the quote from, I think, Henry V, he who shed blood with me as my brother or sister, um, you have that experience both, both militarily and, um, and, then, uh, and then athletically. And so the relationships that you end up developing here, um, they change your life. And um, and, and the experience I had as a cadet really changed the course of everything I would do um, from that point forward and, and really drove me to be able to want to come back to a place like this and come back into college athletics, but really the joy of coming back specifically here um, to help provide that experience for, for the young people we have here today is, is very, very meaningful for me. Well, and you mentioned kind of the, we'll call it for lack of better terms, lack of success on the field, right? And um, you know, I can relate in a similar way. Everyone goes to be a student athlete wherever they go. And they have this big dream of, you know, being 
being the best, being a contributor and, and, you know, kind of seeing where that takes them. Right. But ultimately you look back and there may or may not be a difference whether you scored 40 touchdowns or you didn't play at all. Right. Because at the end of the day, the struggles that you mentioned and that you went through probably have helped you more so in your life uh, post, you know, the Academy than maybe having that success on the field. Talk a little bit about just what, and how that kind of set you up for the, you know, the next couple of things that you did. Yeah. I mean, I, uh, one thing we don't talk about a lot in development here is just the challenge of being a cadet and, um, and it's a tough place to, to grind through, you know, you, you know, as a basic cadet here, how many days you have till graduation and that, that clock ticks down really slowly. Um, but I remember leaving the clinic and learning about this whole situation um, and autoimmune disorders and stuff like that. And, um, and I am, I will say I'm very fortunate to be in really good health and I'm thankful for, for that. But, um, you know, you, you're, you see what your high school teammates and stuff like that are doing in other schools. Um, and I remember walking out of the clinic and it was the first time I realized that I was like, I want to graduate from here. I want to be here. Um, and it changed my perspective because I didn't know if they were going to let me stay. Um, so, so being there, being, being able to stay here, um, around the people that meant so much to me, um, and being able to graduate from here, my perspective changed over those, the last two years here as a cadet, um, and then still trying to battle to play and battle to get my health in order and everything like that. Um, but you know, the difference of, of knowing that you're here and just trying to get through to graduation then thinking, you know, I'm actually really thankful to be here. And then I was thankful to be in the Air Force because I didn't know if I was going to have that experience. And you realize, man, you're working so hard for these things. Um, you might as well go try to be a leader and be in the Air Force. Um, and so it did. It changed my perspective um, and how I looked at everything from there on out because, um, you know, I was looking for those kinds of experiences that um, created that same kind of value for me that I felt here starting as a cadet. Um, and I don't know if, you know, I don't know what I would have had elsewhere, but it definitely did. You know, this place strips you down to your core and forces you to really find out who you are. Um, and I was in the process of that, but that experience specifically really helped, helped me do that. And it's something I've maintained from, from with every decision I've made from, from there, there on out. And you talked about kind of the crossover with military and sports and um, what's something that our listeners wouldn't understand or just wouldn't know uh, about the crossover between military and sport um, that would be extremely interesting to understand? Well, I mean, the relationships that you develop athletically and in the military are, I think they're very, there are probably other places you can find that, but are very difficult to replicate. Um, you know, you look at what we're the product is the people. There aren't that many other places where essentially, you know, in the military, we have our group of people from our society and we have to be the greatest fighting force in the world. Um, athletically, you know, you're taking a group of people across section of society. And really what we're trying to do through sports is better, provide better people to our society um, that, that know how to work together and know how to get along. And there's that many other places that have uh and that just that creates a need for leadership and you learn to lead um and and the sum of the parts that are in there uh 
have to be greater than than the elements that that you start with. And you know, I think I'm very partial to service academy sports, but you look at the groups of athletes we have, and you have to ask yourself, well, why do um, our young people that maybe aren't recruited by the schools we're playing, how do we have success? And what are the ingredients that go into that? And, um, and, and it crosses over so well with the military. And I think that the way it's fostered here, um, you know, helps provide that and helps accelerate that. Um, by the time you start practice as a freshman, you've been through basic training with your teammates. Um, you already know that you have a common experience with them um, and so we talk about a lot about the limitations we face here, but we have advantages there too, um, in regards to um, the experience that you're going through, not just down at practice, but studying together. And we take boxing together. You know, there's something that about getting hit in the face by uh, a big offensive tackle that helps you kind of come closer together. So, um, you know, I think that the the real secret sauce of, of the service academy success is that is that the lessons we've learned from the military translate so well, but also the lessons the military learns from our athletics, we pull back into the military too. And, and they're both so important. Um, and in both cases, you know, success is really important and it's dependent on the groups of people we, we start with. You had to have had a go-to, the jab, the hook, the cross, what, what, was, what was yours? So people won't know this on the call. I'm, I'm pretty tall, um, but yeah, you got a jab. Uh, quite to, I try to use my, my arm span uh, significantly. So I, that was a little tougher because um, they put you in different weight groups and stuff like that. But you know, our football team takes swimming class together, um, what we call water haze and water survival. And um, so every single time you go through one of these experiences, unarmed combat, uh, every, every different position group or body type has different types of advantages that they have in those areas. Um, but the result of going through those things together, different groups struggle with different ones. Um, but, you know, we all look back on those extremely fondly. Yeah, I was going to say the swimming piece, I'm sure there's definitely some advantages, disadvantages to the <laughs> height for sure. Um, you know, it, it, let's let's switch gears a little bit because, you know, we, we were just talking about, you know, a fairly serious matter with, you know, the academy and, and sports. When I, let's talk about beer because, you know, you went from the academy, you've got this experience at Anheuser-Busch and uh, you're in, you know, the strategy, the marketing world, and that's a little bit different, right? And uh, when I throw the word strategy out, I, I want you to help clarify that for our listeners too, because it's, it's something that's widely used, but you know, let's let's talk about it at its core. What does it truly mean, um, and how then has strategy and what you've learned from AB, you know, translated into what you're doing from a fundraising perspective? We'll come back full circle. But um, tell us a little bit about uh, Anheuser Busch. Yeah, so I mean, my my track from the military to beer uh, to sports is like the triumvirate of of things <laughs> in, in my world. So. Um, yeah, I spent four and a half years at Anheuser-Busch and, and I was drawn to the company um, because of their involvement in the world of sports. Um, but what I got out of it was an, a, a really immersive experience in the fundamentals of operational management. Um, you know, I think what, what a lot of folks don't realize about big companies is, you know, they're driven every day by 
uh, a stock price and a share price. And there's a, there's a scoreboard on how you're doing and how you're performing. And there, there absolutely is no, no hiding from it. And the things I admire about Anheuser-Busch, I mean, when you show up, they tell you exactly who they are and what they expect. And the culture is how we made decisions, how we chose between two paths. Um, but they kept it so simple. It's such a complex business, you know, in the U.S. with over a hundred brands now, uh, just in the U.S. business, but within those brands, I mean, there are 50 different SKUs of Bud Light, um, all the way down to small craft beers and different markets that don't get distributed everywhere, um, and deciphering through how we prioritize those things. And what I admire so much about the company is, you know, the, the global CEO, he had five targets, and we all knew exactly what those targets were. Um, the board set those for him. And then the presidents of each zone around the country, they had a share of that, of that CEO's target. And then his senior vice presidents, they had a share of that. And then all of us directors and then managers and everything like that. And so there was no question about why we were doing what we were doing. The business was very structural. And you know, if if the if the CEO had a target of growing Bud Light in the U.S. or growing our share of craft or growing our share of value brands, I knew exactly what my role in that was. And if I didn't deliver those results, the CEO was not going to hit their target. So it was very, uh, and we worked really hard for a long time at the, in the fall of every year to figure out how that all fit together. It doesn't just come together. Um, but it made so much sense to me because I could see how the business was going to move forward and everyone knew exactly what we were trying to accomplish. So we didn't have different groups going off in different directions. Uh, we had a lot of great people there who knew exactly what we were going to do and, um, and we would drive uh, really, really hard and, and uh, purposefully and uh, to, 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 get the, to get the business there. So you know, this is a different world, but there's so much to be learned from that. There's nothing that we can't take here um, that, that the way that we organize the business at, at Anheuser-Busch that, that doesn't apply across, um, you know, the nonprofit sector too. Sure. Well, and even from a structure standpoint, right, I'm sure the academy is very similar in that sense. And so let's talk about the nonprofit and the fundraising side of things, because there's, there is a structure to that as well and kind of how you you know, break up the country and where graduates are and, and all that sort of stuff. So what kind of strategy um, do you take to that? And is there maybe one lesson that you could take from that AB experience and apply it to what you've done so far at the Academy? Yeah, I mean, I think the core difference is in, in, the, in the private sector, in the corporate world, you are able to, do, to pull things out that aren't as profitable um, your incentives are to constantly take those fringe items and remove them from the business. That is harder in the university world because that's not, um, that's not the way we should make decisions here. Um, not everything should be the most positive ROI um, or we're not going to accomplish the, pur the purpose that we have. Um, that being said, we, you know, there are really, really similar things. Anheuser-Busch as a beer company was not regional. You know, the Air Force Academy uh, we have a nice group of people here in Colorado, but we are, we're not a regional brand either. We're, you know, we're the United States Air Force Academy. We have grads that stretch from South Florida to Alaska um, and some that live, you know, certainly uh, all around the world too. So 
um, you know, how we look at where we want to go and setting ambitious targets. And at Anheuser-Busch, we always talked about what's our dream. Um, and we had dreams within the dream. And those were really ambitious things. But we set goals out and how we were going to measure those. So here we still have things we're trying to accomplish next year. But we have big dreams, too. Um, and those are things that, um, you know, our team here has a very uh, structural way that we can figure out exactly the elements that have to be successful within each person's uh, area of ownership and really owning their piece of, of our operation in order to get there. Um, and so it is a little bit simpler when we're in a foundation in terms of, hey, we're here to, to know the resources the academy needs and we're here, to, we're here to go get them, but then how you go get them has to fit in the same operational structure and and, and that's not all that different. I, you know, I, I, I probably would be a lot worse at it if I had not had the experience I had uh, and learned what I did at Anheuser-Busch. And so as you're sitting in your seat at AB and then now sitting at your seat at the Academy Foundation, one's probably looking at your career and going, well, if you were at AB, you know, you were at, you were at the, the big spotlight of the brand and you could go work for Visa or any of the other brands, right? But it's a totally different shift that you made but you know as i'm hearing you talk about the strategy and how it applies and similar things that you're able to take i, I want to draw to the point of there are so many things you can just take from each experience right and they don't all have to be one step in front you know in front of the other or climb up this ladder per se there can be a lot of zigzags and they all you know affect one or another in in some sort of fashion um can you just walk us through your thought process of, you know, your time at AB and then shifting over to the academy and just kind of how or, or what advice uh, you might give to another who's kind of thinking about that in a similar manner? Yeah, I think for me, what was the most important thing was, you know, when people, uh, professional athletes retire and they talk about they, can't, they miss the locker room, right? They don't really miss the actual locker room. They miss the family, the purpose, the camaraderie. Um, and that was something I knew that when I got out of the military, that was probably the most important thing to me. Um, and what I learned at Anheuser-Busch was this world of just fanatical business discipline and strategy and operations. Um, but I missed the purpose uh, that I had had uh, at the academy and then, and then in the Air Force. Um, and I knew that as we... Uh, progressed through um, different parts of our lives that that was really important to me. Um, and so that is essentially what drove my decision to leave just a really, really great setup there was, you know, when it came down to it and, and we worked really hard at AB and I admire my former teammates there, but you know, when you're, when you're in meetings on Saturdays and grinding through data and churning out slides and all that kind of stuff, you know, I did want us to be deeply successful and I'm being, you know, really transparent. It's just that um, I missed the purpose of this. And, and I knew that it wasn't hard for me when we were talking about creating content around our, our professional sports partnerships or our college teams. You know, that part, I, it, it inspired me. It, it pushed me to go do that. But, um, but some of the other stuff, it's like, I need, I know I need that purpose. And in, in that drive. And I knew, I'm fortunate because I knew where I, I thought I could go do it. There are a lot of people from Anheuser-Busch that wind up in the pro sports world. And I think it's a little bit of a more normal transition because we work so closely with those businesses. 
Um, but, um, you know, to come back to college athletics, it just was the intrinsic value for me. I look back in the military, I don't think there's anywhere you can learn leadership better. I mean, that's just what the military does. That's its core competency, and it will only be successful with great leadership. And a, a global, huge, you know, 50 to $60 billion company, um, they have to be methodical about strategy. And I learned that there. And then, you know, here it's really back about purpose and developing those leaders. And for me, those were the, those were the things I was looking for on my journey. I didn't, I wasn't chasing like a specific job or title and I have aspirations, but um, I've always found the best thing for me is to, to find that thing that I'm currently looking for. Um, and I'm, and you know, this, this road is a lot different than most people in college athletics. I mean, I didn't start um, doing some of the things the vast majority of people did, um, but I'm, and it, it, it does make it a little bit of a challenge sometimes to explain to people in the business exactly how the beer world applies to the, to this. Um, but, but I wouldn't trade it for anything. Um, those experiences, I wouldn't say are the easiest way to get into sports, but I will say they, for me, they were the best tools to build for, for me to prepare me to be in this role. Yeah. But I mean, look, the beauty of, of an untraditional path is you have different perspectives and you, you see things through a different lens, which makes you more diverse to interact with your other diverse colleagues to kind of put the, the teamwork together. Right. I think, you know, that's the beauty of sports as a whole and, and also within the academy, I'm sure as well. You know, you mentioned the, the two P words, though, passion and purpose. Right. And they are truly succinctly different. Um, you know, as we wrap up the episode, I want you to touch on that purpose piece, because a lot of people can say, I'm passionate about sports. I'm passionate about this team. I'm passionate about my community or whatever. But the purpose piece is a lot harder to kind of put your finger on. Um, and is there that one insight or piece of advice you would give to people on how to try and find that purpose or at least think about it a little bit differently? Yeah, I mean, I think in any job, um, you know, the military can be cumbersome. The private sector can be intense. Um, this world in, in philanthropy especially can have a lot of emotional ups and downs. Um, but in terms of, uh, you know, purpose, I think that to get through those uh, ups and downs, what has to drive you, and specific to college athletics, what, what drives me um, and gets me through anything and helps me, you know, uh, make a major uh, economic change in our family's lives is that for me, you know, it's really like I didn't come back to, for us to win Mountain West championships. That wasn't really what drove me. I came back because I, I saw people I came into school with go start companies already. They're going to change our society. I mean, there's some of the best people um, that I came back with. And for me, the, the purpose was I knew that I wanted to be a part of the solution um, of what the true core of this mission is. Um, I care very deeply about what college athletics provides to our society. I believe in it. Um, and so when things aren't that great, it, it doesn't matter to me because I know that it's part of the process of, it, it just doesn't bother me. It doesn't set me back because I know what I'm driven by and I know we're going to do it. Um, and so yeah, I think that helps you find your passion. But um, if purpose can't get you through the most challenging times. And I think a lot of people in college athletics can identify with this. Um, you know, there are, there are major setbacks and really tough things happen. It can be 
can be emotionally taxing, but you know, the, pur the purpose of knowing exactly why you're there and the underlying core of that mission, um, that'll be there for you. Yeah, I think the passion gets you up every day, right? And at least out of bed, but the purpose mm -hmm. keeps you driving, moving forward and, and going through those obstacles, like you mentioned. So, yeah. um, you know, a lot of people say, try and find your passion, but it's really find your purpose, right? And then might lead you to the passion. So um, as we wrap up the episode, you gotta, you gotta throw a couple rapid fire questions in there, of course. Um, yeah, you're good at this part, I know that. You know, I, I try, I try. So. Yeah. You know, as, as, as you think about anything that you went through at the academy, what was the hardest thing that you had to do? Oh, boy. Um, you know, the, physically, mentally, I mean, what, whatever yeah, it might you, be. You know, the thing about the academy is you know exactly what you're getting. You think you're showing up and, okay, I got to make it through basic training and all this stuff. And I remember at the end of basic thinking that we had accomplished something. And, uh, and one of our, one of my classmates asked one of the upperclassmen, he said, if asked if it was going to get any easier from this point on. And he's he was like, honestly, it's just about to get way worse for you guys. I mean, the, the persistence of waking up every day, you know, you're going to march to lunch every day. Like you, that's on the brochure. Um, you can come watch the cadets do that. You cannot simulate in your mind really a, like a 16 hour day for four straight years um, where you are getting up, getting to mandatory breakfast, you know, taking 18 to 21 credit hours where your easiest, easiest class is like world history in that regard. And just, and, and they make the freshmen what we call call minutes in the hallway. And they announce every day how many days you have, each class has left till graduation. Um, and so I remember hitting the thousand day mark and just thinking like, this is, this is a never ending journey here. Um, but the, the persistence that, that is required to just grind every single day here um, is the hardest part. Um, some people are smarter than others. Some people are better at the fiscal part. Some people athletically, it can carry them a little bit further, um, but you will be tested in all three of those ways every day, all day for, for four years. As, uh, as my friend Ronnie likes to say, all gas, no break. So, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. as, as you, uh, as you think about, you know, what you're about to embark on, I'm sure that had to be a part of it. All right. Two more for you. You know, as you think about, uh, I'm sure the different places you've been as well, um, you have a favorite state. Oh, a favorite state. Yeah. Uh, oh man, I, I'm, I'm a real toss up. My family lives in South Carolina now. I absolutely love South Carolina. Um, they live in Charleston, which is a great place. But I'm, the other place that would be a, a toss-up with you would be would be the Arizona area. So, um, but Colorado has, you know, it certainly doesn't have the coast along. We love living in Colorado. It's a fantastic place to be. Um, I'm 100% not answering the question because I really don't know. Those would probably be my top three. Does that qualify for a reason? Yeah. Yeah, you could you could you could switch it around and go for the yeah. top three. Nothing nothing who says you can't. Um, last one for you, as you think about you know the the other things that people do in the academy, right? The maybe the positions you didn't get to do or the things you didn't get to to see. What's something that you wish you could have done? There were two things. Um, one thing they don't let the football players do the parachute program. Um, unless you can do it your second semester senior year, just from an injury standpoint. And then I wasn't even eligible because I was going through 
still going through uh, rehab for surgeries. And then powered flight is the other one. If you're going on to pilot training, um, which, you know, over half of our class had, um, I took the soaring program, which is actually amazing. Um, but powered flight would have been something I would have been really interested in. Um, so I didn't go on to fly um, because of some of my, you know, medical disqualifications and stuff like that. But I do wish I would have had the chance to solo in the powered flight program. Flying and parachuting. Sounds like you got a few things on your list to get done uh, here yeah. in the next couple of years. Yeah. But Brian, really, really appreciate the time, the thoughts, the perspective, and uh, certainly hope to have you on again in the near future um, and appreciate your time. Thanks, Jake. I, I enjoyed it and I appreciate, you know, all the great interviews you're putting out there for people in our in our industry.